Today on Locked On Canadians, there's some lineup changes. We're looking ahead to a really important game in the calendar against the Carolina Hurricanes and Mark Bergevin dropping some semi-bombshells throughout his press conference today. It was a surprise press conference. We're going to break all of that down. I have a special guest host with me today, and that's coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 472. My name is Laura Saba. You might know me as the active stick and I'm normally joined by my wonderful co-host Scott Matla, but he's on vacation enjoying his life and I'm suffering through the games and I decided that if I have to suffer then one of our good podcast friends is going to have to suffer along with me. Please welcome back to the show Ian of Rabbit Habs and Nosebleed Podcast, the Nosebleeds Podcast and also the Hockey Newsletter which is delightful. Ian welcome back. How are you doing? Thank you for joining me. A lot better after that intro. Thank you. That's that's those are very kind words. I appreciate it. <laughs> kind words that I made you suffer along with me. <laughs> Misery loves company. You know, it's it's remember last year there was like that that 11 p.m. game against Vancouver and it was super fun, but also miserable because it was it went on until forever in the morning. Um, right. But we were all together. We were all right. late together. And now we're all watching them much earlier. They're terrible. And but we're still together, so I guess there's that. And that's the thing, we're going to be likely suffering throughout the season quite a bit because the Canadians right now can't get anything going. And we're going to start though after the regular media availability that players have and the coach has today. Mark Bergevin dropped a surprise press conference for literally no reason at all and got the entire city talking. And some of the things that came out through that press conference, and I think this is the part that we should start with, is what is Marc Bergevin's future in Montreal? This has been a conversation since the end of last season press conference where he said that he would play out his contract uh, or play out. He would honor his contract on which he had one year left. And then we'll see. There's never been anything definite, but it's been pretty clear that something's going on. Like otherwise an extension would have happened by now or the talk would have been a lot more positive. And some more information came out when uh, actually when uh, the Canadians announced that Carey Price was taking leave from the team, he said there would be no more conversation about or no more news about his contract extension or lack thereof until the end of the season. And then here we are. Four games into the season, he drops a surprise press conference to talk about his future in Montreal yet again. What What are your thoughts? Because I feel like the internet's kind of divided as to what he wants and what's going on behind the scenes. It seems pretty clear from what he said that he said that he, in a perfect world, this is these are his words, in a perfect world, he would stay in Montreal. What does that say to you, Ian? Well, I think that the subtext to all of this is that I think between the 0-4 start um, and the, you know, his general contract status hanging over his head. I think he was really bothered by that report that came out that he, you know, was looking at a position potentially in Los Angeles. I, I think he's, he does have a tendency to get a little defensive about this sort of thing. I mean, when was the last time he called 
uh, or he spoke to the media this early in the season when there wasn't really anything to talk about other than, you know, the results on the ice. Like he, he typically will meet with the media right before the season. And then we don't hear from him for a very long time. Right. Unless something happens like a trade or after the trade deadline day or some major thing happens. Right. Right. So a lot of the times, like we will, you know, we won't hear from him for a very long time. We're hearing a lot of him. And I, you know, I think it's funny because he says, you know, and we could just kind of go through the sort of things that he said at this press conference. He doesn't want to keep talking about his contract, which I think is kind of funny because then he shows up and does another press conference. One way to avoid talking about your contract is stop meeting with the media, which is a little, you know, I, I, I'm never going to ask for less transparency out of the team. So I, I guess him speaking is maybe it fills that that requirement. But he did he did add that he said, you know, he doesn't think that his contractual status has anything to do with what's happening with his team, which I, I find odd. I, I don't, I guess I'll just, I don't believe him. Like, I don't believe that his contract status has no impact on the team. I think it's kind of hanging over this whole season. Um, oh yeah, re- absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. Sorry, go on. We'll, we'll get back yeah. to that. <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe that would have been the case if you still had Shea Weber in the room. If you still had Kerry Price in the room, if Corey Perry was still around, if Paul Byron was was there, like there's a, we, the, the void in leadership has been very well documented. And I think it's leading to a lot of these issues taking more precedence than they may have otherwise done. You know, like I look back at the game that just happened against the Sharks when the Canes went down to nothing. I, like a lot of other people, were screaming at the TV to call timeout because you're down to nothing before the first commercial break. And they don't call timeout. And then I think it was two shifts later, Hoffman takes a weird run at Cogliano. And then all of a sudden, Brennan Gallagher has his gloves off punching Eric Carlson. Like the game kind of devolved right there. There was a chance for leadership to step in and settle things down. And one of the biggest leaders on the team, and Brennan Gallagher, one of the biggest leaders left, d- drops his gloves and starts punching a guy and puts the Canes down shorthanded. I think all of this kind of trickles down from up top. It's it's The season is very slowly working its way into absolute chaos. And I think Mark Bergeron tried to speak to the media to maybe quell some of those fears, to say, no, everything's fine, and he's trying to be level-headed about it. But I think it kind of had the inverse effect. I absolutely agree. And this is the thing. It's, we've been talking about this since the end of the Stanley Cup final. Where does this team go next? What do they do? We know they're not as good as a Stanley Cup final team as they proved by not being able to really get much going against Tampa Bay. We know that. We knew that going in. We knew the team's contending window was a few years away. We always thought that this would be one of the years on the way to that contending window. So there was already that question mark. And then he comes out and he says that he's going to play out the remainder of his contract. Or I keep saying play out as if he's a player, uh, that he's (laughs) going to honor the last year of his contract and then we'll see. Right. So there's that as well. And you're like, all right, what does that mean? You know, is if, if he's not in the long-term plans of the team and if his long-term vision isn't going in a certain direction, then already there's a huge question mark before a team has even been iced before free agency has even started. And then that whole thing, with the draft pick and the way that they handled it kind of soured a lot of the fan base. Uh, I think uh, it, it, it showed how fans are no longer willing to accept just on ice success and have that cover any manner of sins. That was something that was really key. And I think that that's like the, the fact that it's a new landscape right now had a lot to do with it, with it as well, because a lot of people 
did express that this was a fireable offense, right? Like it was something that should not have been allowed to stand. It, it, it's something that should have been uh, treated with discipline. And the team didn't end up doing that. What they did was there was half-assed measures and there was a lot of uh, good PR things that they did with uh, with uh, front office changes and hirings. And then they said it was it didn't have anything to do with that. And, and then right now you're in a situation where the off season has been one long criticism of you. And then you come in and you say your contract status is not going to be discussed until the end of the season. The players, the coaches, the, the, the scouts, everybody in the organization, how do you look at that? Like if you don't know who your boss or your leader or your captain or whatever it is, is next year, what do you do? Like you, you can't help but see this as a transition year. And then that's translating on the ice. It's translating in the demeanor of the players. And that's even before you remove Shea Weber from the room, you remove Carey Price from the room and all of that. You know, you lose those players like Dano and, and uh, Corey Perry and all of that. So the attitude, like the, the question mark that's hanging over their heads, like that cannot be easy. So he can say that that, that doesn't have anything to do with the on-ice results, but the on-ice results, like the way the players are playing, we talk about it. It's like they don't know what they're supposed to do. Like they literally, like players who you know you've seen perform like these magical things on the ice are just not doing it. And it's like yeah. they've forgotten how. And it's all based on this uncertainty. It's all based on this void. And I think that there's like a there's like a point where we talk about it with coaches a lot is that they lose the room. They lose the players. They lose all of that. And they, they could be a really good coach, but it's time for somebody new. It's time for new ideas. So if that's already the sentiment in the market and the players are picking up on that and the coaching staff is picking up on that, how do you react to that? Like it, it just, it feels like there's no vision and there's no direction. And I think the reason that he's upset is that like, first of all, the Canadians haven't explicitly granted permission that we know of for him to talk to other teams and pursue other opportunities. Like, so this is a big thing. And this report came up before and it came up again a couple like a few days ago. That must be extremely, extremely mortifying. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, this, this has turned into a, you know, it, it was kind of always going to be a transition year, just one year to get us from this year to the next. But when you've got a general manager who you don't know is going to be around, you know, the, the term lame duck has been thrown around and I think aptly so. I, I mentioned this to you earlier, like this feels like that game in Columbus years ago where Al Montoya had to just sit in that, take his lumps for a night and go down and give up 10 goals because we had to give Carey Price rest. Like that, that was the ends justified the means in a sense, but it doesn't feel good to be Al Montoya. I think now we're all kind of Al Montoya. Like we're, we just have to deal with this for a year. It's it. And you know, that's, there's a lot of stuff that happened to the Canadians and there's a lot of stuff that the Canadians did. Shea Weber getting hurt happened to the Canadians. That's a bummer. Nothing you could do about it. Carey Price's situation where he has to take leave from the team. That's something that happens that you can't, there's nothing you can do about it and you need to accept it and move on. All of the transactions, all of the players leaving, that's stuff that happens to you to a, to a, to some extent. Mark Bergevin's contract status is something that they that Jeff Molson and to a certain extent Mark Bergevin are doing to this hockey team. It is a decision they are making to have this play out for a season and it, it, four games in, the jury is back. It's not going well. Right. And that's it. And speaking of not going well, the Canadians have made some lineup changes as we look ahead to the game 
against Carolina in Montreal. And in our next segment, that's what we're going to talk about. But first, we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget that promo code is locked on. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of the day, as always. We're discussing Mark Bergevin's future in Montreal. And speaking of things that are not going well, the on-ice results through four games have been dismal and uninspiring, to say the least. And for like a multitude of reasons, they're, they're missing a lot of key players. They lost a lot of players to other teams in the offseason. Uh, the coaching staff doesn't seem to have the same answers that it did during the postseason season and the players seem to be a little bit lost a couple of identifiable things on the ice however have been that the defense has simply not been good and that was something that was expected but I don't think anybody expected that it would be this bad so Ian let me ask you the Savard and Sherratt pairing has finally been split up Uh, do we think that that's going to improve the transition game at all I think I think it could help. I, I think there's a little bit of <laughs> rearranging deck chairs on the, the on the Titanic sort of going on here, in the sense that these this Canadian's defense has one true puck moving defenseman in Jeff Petrie. I, I know Brett Kulak's also very good at that sort of thing, but Jeff Petrie's the one that we can rely on just about every time he's out there for that sort of thing. So I mean, as much as moving Sherratt and Savard away from each other. Um, I think it helps because then they can sort of provide what they do on a different line. They're both very similar defensemen. They do a lot of the same things. Um, you know, I, I think one, one thing I think I'd like to see from the defense as a whole is maybe stop focusing so much on physical play. I know that's the whole, tr- that was the hallmark of this defense last year in the, in the playoffs, but it, against San Jose on Tuesday, I think the first three goals were created off of a defenseman named Sherat, or in other cases, Romanov, running around trying to finish a check instead of just playing solid defensively. I think moving them around, trying to find some chemistry there is going to help because I'm looking at this now. The only two that could have possibly played together last year were Kulak and Petrie, a pairing that did look very good at times last season. So you just, you have to find chemistry they, they didn't do that in training camp, which I find odd. They kind of stuck with the same pairings through the entire training camp and kept around 50 other players that were just never going to make the team for whatever reason. So, yeah, it, it could help. I'm a, I'm a lot less bullish on, on Weidman than a lot of people are, but they're making changes. I can't yell and scream at Ducharme for not making any changes and then get mad when he makes changes. 
Exactly. And that's, I think the biggest change that I did want to see was the breaking up of that pairing. I don't think on this team or ever in general, you should have two stay at home, shut down defensemen playing on the same pairing. I think you always need somebody more mobile. Yes, you do need somebody physical. You do need to be intimidating. But here's the thing that I did not know actually until somebody pointed it out to me last night was that the Canadians have led the league in hits for the last three years running. The first couple of years didn't get them anywhere. Second year or third year, sorry, it barely got them into the playoffs. And then once they got into the playoffs, it was a whole new, it was a whole different ball game. Like people always talk about hits and things like that. Like, and hits are warranted in certain situations. I love a good clean check. Like it's one of my favorite things to watch on the ice. But when that's the core philosophy of your defense, you're doing something wrong. In today's NHL, You have to be able to start a transition. You need to be able to do a clean exit from your zone. You need to start a breakout, turn it into a rush, gain the zone again, a zone entry, and create chances. If you're busy hitting people, none of that happens. Like that, the first step in that entire play or the entire way that you should be playing in today's NHL doesn't take place. And that's the part to me that's really frustrating is that. This team organizationally seems to think that uh, like the defensemen of 2002 are like today's defensemen. That's how you should build your team. And that is not the case. That's literally not the case. And again, like it, people always crap on players like that, like a Kulak or a Petrie or whatever, because they're very mobile, because they're not very physically intimidating. And it's not like they're, you know, it's not like they run away from a check or anything like that, but their skill and their role is to do something completely different. And that all often leads to turnovers. It does. It absolutely does. But why are you only seeing those turnovers, but not seeing the literal turnovers created and the goals that are created from a defenseman trying to finish a check that he should have abandoned? Yeah, no, it's a huge part of, I think, the struggles that this team has had. One thing I noticed against San Jose specifically was, you know, one of the only things the Canadians led in that game was body checking hits but but most of the hits that i saw they were finishing guys on the boards after the puck had already moved like they they were chasing the game the entire time and more often than not like i think uh, i think it hits in the same sense as like block shots in the sense that if you're getting a lot of them odds are you don't have the puck a lot which is a huge part of the game um so i I think you know that's that's a, a philosophical change that needs to take place that's no, no movement of defensemen within the six pairings or the th- three pairings are going to fix that overnight. That's, that's something that the coaching staff has to preach. That's something that the, the, the guy building this team has to build the team around. Right. And the thing is, like, there is room for defense, right? Defensive defense. You're not always going to be starting a breakout. You're not always going to be creating offense. There's going to be points in the game where you're going to need to defend the zone. And part of that is like in today's NHLs, you need to know where to be, whether you are blocking a shot or not, whether you're trying to steal the puck from the other team, whether you're doing a board battle or anything like that, you do still need to know where to be. Like there is skill in being a defensive defenseman, but just running around punishing people for merely sharing the ice you're on isn't going to get you anywhere. Like I love, like I said, I love hits, but the hit is intended to separate the opponent from the puck and create something from your own team. And that's what drives me up the wall. Anyway, looking ahead to this Carolina game, Carolina is currently undefeated. 
coming into town, uh, the Canadians or the Canadians fans should, you know, rightfully uh, are, are looking to see how this plays out as part of the drama from the off season, you know, the Kotkiniemi being off sheeted, going away. I know, I know a lot of people are getting ready to boo. A lot of people are hoping he has a bad game here. A lot of people are hoping that the Canadians win. Um, and for, for me, I think like, I'm wondering if these lineup changes are enough because not only did they uh, switch up that pairing, they put Kulak and Petrie back together, which I love. Um, that's fantastic. But they also shuffled a little bit the forward lines and the forward lines got really interesting because this is something that's going to drive me crazy until it changes is they're punishing Cole Caulfield for literally putting too much pressure on himself. And the way that they're trying to fix it is just adding more pressure by demoting him and making making him feel like crap. Like, I mean, he hasn't mentioned anything. Obviously, every 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 player will come out and be like, "Yeah, uh, I'm not playing well. I deserve to be demoted. I need to earn my spot back, or whatever." But at the same time, like that's not how you generate offense. You don't take one of your skilled players and then demote them to a checking line. No, and and you know, I wrote about this for Rabbit Habs in the post game. Uh, after San Jose, but Dom Ducharme made one one lineup change during one adjustment in the game against San Jose when his team was getting beat for nothing, and it was to demote Cole Caulfield and move um, Mike Hoffman up to his spot. It, it just it it was it's very it's strange because there wasn't a single forward who was playing well, and you picked one guy and you said you're getting bumped down the line, like. We used to we used to get so frustrated with Claude Julien because the line blender was real with that coach. Like he was, if things it, sometimes they'd be down one nothing and he'd be throwing the lines in the blender. Um, I, I haven't seen that from Ducharme, and it's it's funny because you know the line the only line that has had any sort of historical success based on the the players that he has at his disposal is Suzuki, Caulfield, and Toffoli. They're the only line that, that was pulled through from last year's team. And then it was the first line to be disassembled when things started going poorly. Um, I don't mind that that Drewing, um, Dvorak, and Anderson are still aligned. I, I like when they're out on the ice, even though... They're, you know, yeah, and they were seem to be promoted to the first line, which is great because they're, they have a lot of chemistry and they're the only ones getting anything going. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, so that's your top line, second line, or, you know, Dom Ducharme hates the idea of first, second, third, fourth, but he can deal with it. That's how these lines are being reported. Um, Hoffman, Suzuki, Gallagher are, is your, your essential second line. Um, Toffoli, Perot, and Caulfield on the third. And then Lekkanen, there, I mean, there's there's five guys listed on the fourth line, so it's not even really worth going into. But, um, you know... <laughs> They're trying to, he's trying to, to figure something out in practice. I don't know if any of these are going to stick after one practice. We'll see. I think against Carolina, they, they have, they have to start on time. They have to do all that, you know, cliche hockey stuff that they, you know, they say pre-game or whatever. But I, I think ultimately, like we're, we might be waiting on a bounce or two to go the Canadians way. They haven't had a ton of puck luck to start the season as bad as they have been. A bounce or two could have gone a long way in that San Jose game. Um, or the Ranger game, or the Toronto game, the Buffalo game notwithstanding. Um, right, absolutely. And th- that's also the key to a lot of guys' confidence, right? Like anybody who's snake-bitten right now, they just need one garbage goal to go in, even an empty netter. And then, it, you know, we saw it multiple times with many players. And right now, 
uh, I think that what they like really what they need to do is go back to the fundamentals, like complete passes, seriously, shoot the puck sometimes. Like those are things that like the, I only saw the third period of that game against San Jose. I'd like to see more of it. So they've got an uphill battle. We're still going to cover it. And oh, I forgot to tell people that Ian will be doing the mailbag episode after tomorrow's game. So we'll recap the game and we'll do mailbag questions. And so please send us questions that you have for myself and Ian to answer. In the meantime, we're going to just pick apart a, a few more of the tidbits that came out of Mark Bergevin's press conference. And that's in the final segment today coming up in just one moment. But first, remember, you should be looking at rockauto.com for all of your car parts and accessories needs. There's no point in going to a chain store where you're limited to what they have in stock and the brands that they work with. You need to have the full array at your disposal and only rockauto.com has that. You just go online. You can literally pull your phone out of your pocket right now and get all of it done very easily. All you have to do is enter your car's make, model, and year, and they've got everything from classics to a car you bought a couple weeks ago. And then you can search for the parts. There's an easy-to-use drop-down catalog. You can even choose your own price, and every price on there is always reliably low. That's what rockauto.com is all about. Not only is it convenient, easy to use and the prices are reliably low At the end of the day if you order the parts they will get delivered directly to your door this is a no-brainer so check it out go to rockauto.com and don't forget to tell them that locked on sent you in their how did you hear about us box amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com So in addition to creating speculation about his future, not creating speculation, adding fuel to the fire, the speculation was always there. Mark Bergevin added fuel to the fire about whether or not he is going to be staying in Montreal with a contract extension. There are a little, there were a few bits of information that came up um, in his press conference. I think one of the first things that we should talk about is the Shea Weber situation because he was asked for specifics. Uh, Shea Weber is currently rehabbing his injuries he's not even at a point where he's just like resting he's rehabbing the multitude of injuries that he's experienced um and he's getting better uh the nhl last week agreed that they weren't gonna, they weren't going to cha- challenge his uh injured long-term injured reserve status so the canadians are going to be able to get the cap savings uh mark bergevin said that he did, does not see shea weber returning to the lineup and he also didn't confirm but essentially said he expected Shea Weber to be done for good. Yeah, it's it's a huge loss. I mean, we've kind of expected that for a while, so it didn't. It's not a gut punch at this point. You know, they're they're playing the same song every time they get out in front of a microphone. Um, you know, John Liu had said that you know they have a plan for, or that Mark Bergeron had said that they they have a plan for Weber and they'll disclose details if it materializes. Um, and then John Liu speculated that it might be coaching or hockey ops. It's funny though, when I read that, that they had to have a plan for him. I I was thinking something along the lines of like when his, while his contract is still active, not as a player, but maybe a transaction to, to move that money off the Canadians cap. Um, There's always that threat of cap recapture for Nashville. Um, So if Shea Weber ever decides to retire, they're kind of screwed. Um, that that's what came into my mind first. It seems like that's being dispelled, um, at least for the time being. Um, but you know, it's, I, I, it would be cool to see Weber back behind the bench. I think the guys would get a big, um, they'd get a big boost from that. Uh, if not this season, maybe next season. 
Right. And he's always a guy that players always talk about by being a leader, being an example. Um, they all seem to kind of be in awe of him and they, and they want to like, you know, they want to get his favor for lack of a better word. Like he's like, he's, he's the cool kid that everybody wants uh, to be friends with and all of that. They want to impress him. And he's definitely like he, his attitude is team dad. So I feel like there's value in having guys like that around, like the psychological aspect of it, like whether they're motivational, you know, there's always one guy on the coaching staff. That's a player's coach. If it's not the head coach, there's always one guy that's like that. And uh, Shea Weber would be great at that in terms of hockey ops as well. He's very serious. He does understand the game really well. I think, they want his presence. And so when like, when it says like the plans, if it materializes, like it's, it's exactly like you said, the first thing you think is like, Oh, if a trade possibility materializes, that's what he's talking about. But then you think about how much Mark Bergevin loves guys like this. He loves these guys. Like, I, I feel like Mark Bergevin would love to give this person a role in, in uh, hockey ops or, or, you know, uh, player development, maybe on the coaching staff or something like that. The thing is, is that if Mark Bergevin leaves, do these plans mean that he's going to take Shea Weber wherever he goes? (laughs) Like he has plans for Shea Weber. Like, does, does that mean that Shea Weber's going to wherever Mark Bergevin's going if he leaves? And again, that's not a guarantee, but that's a fun question mark to answer. And then the other thing that we found out, which is kind of sad, but we kind of knew about it because they kept talking about uh, Joel Edmondson being away from uh, from the team for family reasons. Uh, he, his dad has advanced lung cancer, so he's being he's, he's leaving the team to be with his dad, and the team's very supportive of that. That's the thing that drives me crazy about the Montreal Canadiens organization is that they seem to take care of their players. And on that emotional aspect of it, the family aspect of it, the understanding aspect of it. But then they turn around and they like build their team with people who have like questionable character issues or in some cases are outright criminals. <laughs> like though, like I, I just, I have such a hard time reconciling that. It's like they're this one big happy family, but predators are welcome. Yeah, that's, it's a tough thing to swear, right? Like, I mean, this summer was ripe for that. We, we've, we don't need to litigate that draft pick any more than we already have. Um, I've, I've certainly said my piece about it. Um, but, you know, I, I think it, it is nice, you know, it is nice that that locker room is, is very tight. It seems like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Joel Edmondson gets to spend um, some time with his family and, and, you know, I hope we see him back soon just because, you know, he's, a, he seems like a good dude. Um, he's a big part of this hockey team, but there's more things uh, that matter right now than what defensive pairing he slides in on. Right, exactly. And it is like, it's very, very sad. And so this is like one of those things where it's like, if the year is lost anyway, you know, like it's not like there's, there's really no point in trying to force things really, right? Like you let the player be with his family, you let the player recover from whatever he's dealing with. And and I think that, you know, it it it, it does show a mark of like, of, of class and compassion and stuff like that. I just wish that they had it universally and not in selective situations. Um, and also, obviously, we are wishing uh, Joel Edmondson the best with whatever's, with whatever's happening. Um, and one thing that was important that we still have not talked about, Ian, is Jeff Petrie is no longer sporting the mustache. It, you know... It really does suck that Scott's not here to talk about this because I know that me and him were very much team mustache and I know you were not very um, much team not. <laughs> I, I will say it speaks to sort of the vibe going through that locker room right now that, you know, they, things were 
things were loose, you know, and when they fun? were in the cup final and fun. Yeah. And everything seemed really cool. And they came into the season and there was that goofy picture of all of them hanging out. And now it's business. And it's not only is it business, business isn't going well. Like it's, it's, I like, I, I it, you know, there's that red flag meme going around right now. That's Jeff Petra shaving his mustache. It's like all of a sudden, like all of this is really heavy. And it's just because he took, uh, he took a, a razor blade to his upper lip. And like that to me flagged like, oh, this is a lot more serious than I think it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's definitely, you know, like it, it might be a sign exactly like you said. It's like everybody's like, all right, you know what? I'm here to play. I'm here to be disciplined. I'm hearing what Mark Bergevin is saying about how the players need to be better. And I'm hearing what the coach is saying. I know the on ice results aren't great. Like, you know, we're, it's down to business where we're here to get serious, but here, let me ask you, this is the final thing that I'll ask you, because I know we have time tomorrow to discuss, um, to discuss not just the Carolina game, but the, the mailbag, uh, based on our episode yesterday, if you haven't checked it out, uh, I talked to Kyle Demetrius of Locked on Sharks about, uh, should the Habs embrace a rebuild and what that feels like as a fan, uh, Ian, should the Habs embrace a rebuild? Yeah, I think it's time. I, I think it would have been understandable. We would have been upset by the fact, well, we were just in the cup final and now we can't even, you know, we're not going to even try to make the playoffs. Um, but it would have been understandable with everything going on. Um, I don't know if you can possibly rebuild and get back to, a, a comp, you know, being a competitor in Carey Price's window. Um, those contracts, contract extensions for Gallagher and Petrie start to, start to look a little stinky after a little bit. Um, It's tough. Like I've advocated for a rebuild several times in the decade of the Mark Bergevin era and not a single time have I enjoyed that idea because it's a lot of losing and that sucks. Like, Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's not fun to watch. No. And you know, outside of of being a hockey fan, I'm a baseball fan. I'm a Washington nationals fan. They didn't win a whole lot of anything up until a few years ago. And now they're back to losing again. And it's not fun. Um, You know, it stinks because we got so close and didn't win that thing that everyone's trying to win. Um, But it seems like it's time. Like, it just seems like if you want to build a team around Suzuki and Caulfield and Norlinder, when he shows up and, you know, like Kyle said, see what you have in Romanov, you know, see what you have in all of these young guys, make a really good, honest effort at evaluating them. And in the meantime, try to rack up as many draft picks as you can. Mark Bergman lottery protecting the pick that, that, you know, got sent to Arizona for Dvorak is going to be their saving grace in this. Um, Cause then it, you know, it could be a top three pick. And then, you know, if Carolina does well, well, Arizona gets, the 25th pick in the draft for Dvorak. So yeah, it's probably time to move on. I it, I feel so stupid saying that after four games of the regular season, but that's sort of what this market does. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And we did start talking about it when we saw that Shea Weber wasn't coming back and there was a possibility that the Kraken were going to take price. I think for me, the perspective that I have is that we've seen what it feels like to go to a cup final. How great would it be if for a few years, every playoffs, that was a possibility or a likelihood, like in the case of Tampa Bay, right? They went to the cup final against Chicago. They lost, but they went all the way there. And then now 
they're they're like headed for a three-peat or they're not headed for a three-peat they're aiming for a three-peat like that's that's what happens right same thing happened in pittsburgh they won a cup with uh, with uh, uh the initial Sidney crosby core and then you know years later they won two cups in a row like how fun is that if you're gonna tank if you tell me that we're gonna tank and then that's gonna happen i'm totally sold on a tank Yep. That to me is right. like, yeah, you got to do it right. And you got to do it in the right year too. Like the next two drafts are really good and really deep. This mm-hmm. is when you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. All right. So we're agreed to have, no, <laughs> I think they should <laughs> see how it plays out, but you know, you're, you're 10 games into the season. If you still suck, like that's when you start stocking up on draft picks, I think. Yeah. Um, and so thank you so much, Ian, for joining me and uh, you will be back with me tomorrow. But in the meantime, while we wait for the tomorrow episode, tell people where they can find you and your work. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at maybe it's Ian. Um, follow at Rabbit Habs for the Habs blog. Um, subscribe to hockeynewsletter.party, uh, the hockeynewsletter.party. It, you know, we try to make an addition every month or so. Um, it's fun stuff. I think the next time, I, and this was an idea that Scott pitched to me um, that I'm going to run with, it, <laughs> I'm going to compare Josh Anderson to things in video games that go fast in one line and do not stop. So that's. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm definitely well I, I read it. I, I read it, but I'm definitely gonna plug the hell out of that because I love that idea. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's super fun. So subscribe uh to Substack, subscribe if you if you're so willing. Um that'd be really great. And as for us, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com or tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. Please send us your mailbag questions for myself and Ian for tomorrow's mailbag. And if you liked this podcast, please check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Make that your second listen of the day because Scott Cullen is one of the best in the business and he'll tell you how to set your fantasy lineups. And thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow.